0: Welcome to Chat Happens, the That Happens After Show. I'm your host, Spencer Crittenden, and we're going to be cracking into all the exciting gossip and behind-the-scenes talk from That Happens, the podcast we all know and love. The podcast that was deemed important enough to fucking, uh, you know, have an after show. Who would have thought? Uh, not Kevin, the person who's pictured, and I, I don't know if he's muted. He certainly seems to not be talking it doesn't look like you're muted but I don't know what's up Kevin it shows you or is it is it showing Me? you for you yeah no, I have a no, yellow I'm seeing, box I'm seeing you okay I just okay so that's just my glitch then I my yellow box went to you Kevin and I'm sorry oh. uh for for introducing but but you know you're my my sturdy co host I think of you as a sturdy guy I don't 30. know if that okay. tracks with you but what, what did you think about this week's episode? You know, it's, it's time for the, the post show, you know, the breakdown, the, the what are your picks and
1: pans? I mean, I feel like this is going to go down in history as one of our most iconic episodes. You know, like one day in the future when like historians are going through famous podcasts of the past, this is going to be the one they show clips from
0: yeah i love you know trauma dumping on ryan ridley i love talking about the moon and uh minecraft you know it was was great but that's enough of pretending the podcast is a different premise um i'm i'm spencer well i said that already but now we're resetting you know what why don't you hit us with the theme again kevin okay slow on the uptake kevin's out of sorts you guys hello welcome to kevin's shame the podcast that rips on kevin for fucking up very mildly once every 20 podcast records or so and demonizes him for things that aren't at all his fault and are usually my misconceptions i'm your host spencer crittenden and today we got an exciting guest bill handstock is here the at sundown motel or is it hotel i don't know uh writer 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 for other stuff Mm-hmm. Sporto, you're a, you're yeah. a big Sporto. Is that is that a, is that true? I, I'm a moderate
2: Sporto. Okay, but I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Thanks so much. It was a long time coming. It was such a long time coming that you were supposed <laughs> to be on, I think, in <laughs> November, and uh I don't even know. I could. What the fuck even happened, Kevin? Do you know what happened towards the end of the year? Like.
1: We were just, meeting guests, and then we didn't yeah. get them, right? And so it would have been perfect. I think all of us just assumed somebody else was booking them, and we didn't book any. Probably yeah. my fault.
0: No. Well, yeah. that's the theme of the show, is it was your fault. So, yes, yeah, so I will let you take the fall for that. But uh, So, Bill, uh, wh- what's up? You, you liked Harmontown, right? What's, what's the deal? I mean, I'm not looking for compliments at all, but, but yeah, what's, what's yeah. your access
2: with, with Har- Harmontown? No, I loved Harmontown. Harmontown was... Uh my favorite podcast for many many a year uh i actually just the other day uh was recommended uh the harmontown documentary clip on youtube of writing uh, chicken noodle dick um and it's just a great great song great clip um mm-hmm. every time i eat pringles i think of you so um yeah no it's it uh harmontown amazing Harmon quest amazing you know, uh, long time, first time, I guess. Uh, I do want to backtrack a little bit to uh, sure. chat happens uh, because uh, the after show, the 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 sporadic after show for uh, to- uh, Better Call Saul is called Talking Saul because <sighs> the Better the ta- the Breaking Bad after show is called Talking Bad. I think that's why Ugh. and Talking Dead. So I think that they have they have talking. the the universe it's the talking universe uh when better talk saul is right there and makes more sense but instead we have talking saul (laughs) twice a season because chris hardwick can't be bothered to work every week and no one would watch it anyway i guess
0: now what i would call it is better saul uh, better call saul dot 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 to talk But yeah, no, I think you're right that it, it 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 harkens back from The Walking Dead, and then it has expanded to all sorts of things that really don't that that are not appropriate to call it, uh, you know, to use the talking. It just doesn't fit. It's not a good pun. It's not good. Um, Kevin, you isn't, there was isn't
2: a- it also, is sorry isn't it also strange that uh we've already evolved from a a society where shows on AMC were so popular that they demanded an after show that you would immediately tune into afterwards. And now like even that is a, a, a vestige of, of the past, like that even that is outdated at this point
0: yeah i mean if you ask me i think it was like less that fans were like beating down the door demanding more content and more that uh you know networks were like you know what this ip hasn't been stretched thin enough we could pay next to nothing for a talk show format that's unscripted or you know minimally scripted like with bits or something you know it's it's more segment produced than anything I would guess and you know and and just coast off that for another block of television you know it's also weird just because like amc doesn't have commercials I mean you know that was always a streaming service when like walking dead was on right was it was it on television no it was on television I watched it um, okay. on real
2: ass television
0: yeah it's just like I guess that's why it's just to me it's like I don't see the value in that without commercials because it's like you're not yeah, getting more people in the door
2: you know yeah, yeah but like, on even, television. even at this but at this point even network execs won't even they don't even bother to produce a free show at this point like we have Chris Hardwick on payroll or whatever but it's not even worth him driving in to talk to like two tertiary members of the cast like that's not even worth our time we'll just throw up a rerun of i don't even know what amc throws reruns of i don't know probably charmed everything's charmed (laughs) yeah
0: well you know that's fair it's not worth my time either you know i don't know (laughs) it's definitely we definitely moved on i was going to say that there was there was a rick and morty after show for season four maybe season three no it must have been season four or five and um i want to say it was called ricking morty which is again just like you know Rick and Morty's titles are always just like Rick and Morty puns so it was basically talking Morty but calling it ricking Morty I believe um but that's that's actually good I, I think that ricking Morty is a pretty good title <laughs> what about- I, I was not even aware
2: that that existed who hosted that
0: uh I think Sam J hosted it but I don't know if she hosted the whole thing or she just hosted some episodes I think they might have switched hosts <laughs> at some point I can't remember. I I was not involved. I just remember all the fervor and everyone, the buzz of activity of everyone freaking out, trying to book and, and like, Steve... I want to say that Steve Levy like... I don't know this was about the time of the fall of the castle you know when the castle was a public venue for a very short period of time and they got shut down I think like it was originally supposed to take place at the castle and then Steve had to like really scramble and like book other other venues and really do a lot of stuff really fast to kind of make sure it worked and it was just a, a nightmare headache for everyone uh, who cared but that did not include me because
1: I'm sure I was doing
0: something else um but yeah yeah, that yeah. had our to...
1: Harmontown's uh, Zach McKeever on sound and Chris Boroff, who was the Harmontown director who did cameras for all that. So yeah, it was sort of a Harmontown yeah, So you know processor. it was fucking <laughs>
0: it was bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they had
0: to uh, really call in all the favors to even get that off the ground. But uh, are there any more good questions about Harmon content that you'd like to be asked?
2: <laughs> about uh, no, well, I mean, I, I could I mean if I still had a podcast I'd have you on it to just ask you Harvard time questions but
0: hell yeah um, well you have you've had podcasts I've done some cursory research and it looked like you were doing podcasts <laughs> but I didn't actually pull anything up what, what were your podcasting
2: explain uh, I'm not I'm not currently doing podcasts I did a podcast that was on uh, progressive blank for several years um and then I was doing various uh pro wrestling podcasts for various sites that i was working for and most recently i had a podcast with a couple of friends where we went chronologically through the music of the insane clown posse um and we managed to get through all three jokers cards it started before i had a child and finished after i had a child uh and i took a good amount of time off uh in, in, in between there but uh, that's called uh the that's called the dim carnival uh if anyone ever wants to listen to about. Uh, Listen to uh, three woke, three woke white guys talk about uh, insane clown posse for a hundred plus episodes. If it's going to be three white guys, you gotta hope they're
0: woke. You know, I guess you could yeah. go in the other direction and be like three really hard right wing white guys, but that's a whole <laughs> different kind of like theme. You know, like it really changes the math.
2: <laughs> there are some, there are some less woke insane clown posse podcasts out there, <laughs> uh, as you might imagine, but um, n- none the the ones that are 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 offering critiques tend to be more on the uh, leftist uh, side of things
1: what's the overall balance for icp fans like you know how how many are left versus right versus none of the above They're
2: pretty much all uh at least like centrist to left leaning because uh like although there's a lot of like really gross like misogynistic stuff uh in the early uh, icp days their uh, their stance has always been fuck bigots, fuck the Confederate flag, fuck racists. Um, that's like been their like mo since day one. So like that that attitude doesn't tend to like attract a ton of MAGA dudes. Uh, the MAGA uh, like the MAGA juggalos tend to be more fans of like twisted and like um, ICP related acts than uh, in St. Clown Posse themselves
0: yeah well what do you think you know you listen to all of it well what <laughs> you got the would you would you a fan were you kind of like I guess this is better than I expected like what would you go in with it uh with and uh, what'd you come out with
2: oh uh, well all of us were like big fans like um like my one of my let's like basically like my two best friends and I uh doing the podcast but like one of, one of my friends uh was the first person who ever played St. clown posse for me and like 98, 99, somewhere in there, um, played me a tape of, uh, great Malenko. And, uh, like we were just laughing our asses off. So like ever since then, like I've been listening to, I was listening to NSYNC clown posse, like from the late nineties on, um, and my other friend who's on the podcast, he was tuned into them much earlier than that. So like, we were all big fans, um, stretching back to the nineties. Um, and then like, we sort of like, like most people who listened to ICP in that era, like stopped listening to them for a long period of time. And then like sort of became uh, adults and like, and or middle-aged and got to a point where we're like, you know what? I, I still enjoy a good amount of that music, but we, we wanted to sort of revisit it and be like, let's, let's examine why we liked it then why we like, or dislike a lot of it now. Um, That was just, we, it was. It started as an excuse for us to just keep talking to each other because we live in different places. But um, uh, and it like sort of continued to be that. But uh, in between, we we did a lot of uh, re- reflection and self examination, and uh, really talked a lot more about uh, insane clown posse than uh, you 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 could probably imagine that people would. And and uh, as I continue to do to this very second
0: sure you know i mean it's it's podcasting is something that follows you you know you can mm-hmm. touch people's hearts and and their
2: minds and their memories that's what the sequel to it all. follows should be is is uh, people just uh, unable to stop podcasting
0: <laughs> yeah, you have sex what with a
2: podcaster and then you can't you then you have to have a podcast
0: yeah so like it would it would it stop following you while you were recording but in between in between like records and stuff it would follow you around so you'd have to like well you, you flip can't on the stop Zoom.
2: you can't stop your podcast until you have sex with someone else who then has to start a podcast
0: so these are really long podcasts we're talking like stretching the limits of an sd card huh?
2: well i mean you can't you can't you can't end your podcast like you can't, oh, okay. you can't stop you can't miss a week <laughs>
0: You can't miss a week so it has to be weekly okay yeah i was like but you know there's like monthly podcasts and podcasts that say they're still alive and they keep the fucking name so you can't use their name but it's not like they ever fucking make new episodes you know so yeah i, I think that's a fair trade-off you can't miss a week uh otherwise <laughs> you're just done um so let's let's go back whoa tell me about young bill <laughs> <and stuff. laughs> How uh, oh yeah i don't know I, I that's not a question i would have expected myself to ask but it just came <laughs> out i don't know like uh what were you like in high school what was high school like for you was it good bad you know i don't know for me it was like it wasn't it was it wasn't hard i didn't have a ton of friends but it was like oh i can do school so it's like i'll just focus on doing school and and then it wasn't until later that i was like i really did that wrong
2: i should not have just focused on school during high school yeah Um uh- i think i have a i think i have a, a non-common experience or maybe i have the most common experience i don't actually know uh i don't have any perspective on this but uh for me high school was uh i i didn't peak in high school or anything but high school was like great <laughs> for the most part like especially like junior senior year uh i was uh, voted class clown in my senior year Um, i was like really popular like i uh, like uh, there was a guy like, I, like I was popular to the point where like, I didn't realize how popular I was like at the time, but then like the year after I graduated, I was in, uh, I was in like Walmart in my hometown and a guy who had gotten drafted out of high school by the like, St. Louis Cardinals who opted to go to, uh, opted to go to Berkeley instead and eventually ended up playing for the Yankees and won a ring with the Giants and stuff. Like I was in Walmart and he was in town visiting the year after uh, he graduated, we both graduated. And I had, I I don't remember that I had ever spoken to him in school, um, but we were in, I was in Walmart and I hear someone go, Hey Bill. And I turn around and it's the guy who had gotten drafted to major league baseball and like went to a, a, like got a full scholarship instead. And he was like, Hey man, how you been? And I was like, uh, good. I not probably not as good as you playing baseball, like getting paid to play baseball. Um, but he would like, he like. St- 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 just like hung out and chatted with me for a while, just cause like he knew who I was. And then we went to school together. Like that was just a weird, like, that was like the first like perspective I had of like, I sort of had a reach in, in high school, uh, but like, I, I loved high school. I was, I was like, like I said, like I got voted class clown. I was in, um, I was in drama. I was an honor thespian my sophomore year. I was the editor of the school paper. Um, but like, I was, a, <laughs> I, I had a good time. Uh, I, I like, we, like, like I, I helped my drama team put on like an SNL night at school and uh, where we just did SNL sketches. And then we did a Monty Python night at school that like was so popular that we had to do like a second one. Um, Like it was a lot of fun and, and it was just a blast. And, uh, I was also like, it was also, I, I I can recognize that I was a real weird, uh, guy, uh, because just like, like for, for virtue of like, I was like big, like I was like, I was like pretty big into youth group. Uh, but like, I also like my sophomore junior year, like got really into punk rock, but I, but my dad was a cowboy. So I was still like listening to like country music and like wearing like uh wearing like lace-up cowboy boots and like but my hair was bleached <laughs> so like <laughs> I, I, could, I like wore like a, a flannel shirt over like a punk t-shirt most days so like I, I could recognize like i had a bad i had bad style choices and I, I was into weird stuff and like all my friends who were like into punk rock like consider me a huge poser even though like i had like remained into in punk rock to this day and like all of them are like pastors now and like run or like run wine bars or whatever like i don't know it's it's just (laughs) it's just a it's just interesting like so as long long long-winded way of saying like i i i've always been a weirdo and i had a good time in high school
0: yeah so and you went to two different colleges right what was the deal (laughs) there so what was the first the first one was uh monterey right
2: Yeah, I went to more than two colleges actually. So I I I went uh, I I, well I went to junior college um, out of high school, and then I uh, tried to go to San Francisco State uh, when I the year I turned twenty one after I finished uh, got my associate's degree from the junior college. uh, Tried to go to San Francisco State because I wanted to get into film, um, and I wanted I, I liked the film department. And at the time, I didn't want to move to LA so i uh went to san francisco state and then the first semester i was there uh my downstairs neighbor in the house that i rented it was my first time not living at home my downstairs neighbor uh came home like really wasted one night and like tried to fight me so uh i i ended up moving out and uh in the middle of the semester so i moved to to oakland to live with my grandma for the remainder of the semester and by the end of the semester i was like having such a bad time because i i had set up my semester so that I was going to school six days a week. So I was taking Mm -hmm. BART across uh, the bay six days a week to go to San Francisco state. And by the end of the semester, I was like, I'm just so tired of this. Uh, So I, I asked uh, San Francisco state, if I could uh, take the, uh, take the film classes that were offered at Cal state Monterey Bay, which was close enough to where my dad lived for me to just like drive to Monterey and, drive back home to salinas to uh to, to still to go back to living at home and go to go to college and i took it to the to the head of the the cinema department at san francisco state and i was like here's cal state monterey bay's uh like film department it was a combo film television and radio uh department and at the time nice. at the time uh the school was not accredited yet because it was such a, a new school cal state monterey bay and i and the the the, the department was called uh teledramatic arts and technology it wasn't even called like film or radio or video so i I took the catalog to the guy the the head of the cinema department at san francisco state and i was like are there any classes that i could take here that would be good at san francisco like could i go there for a semester and then transfer back here and would you recognize any of these courses and he looked at the catalog and he's like none of these courses are real classes it's like none of this makes any sense to me but i guess if you took this one and this one yeah we'd take you back So I transferred to Cal State Monterey Bay with the intent to just go there for a semester. And then I just ended up staying at Cal State Monterey Bay for until I got my bachelor's degree. And then uh, I lived my life for many years until I was uh, unemployed uh, for nearly two straight years. And then I decided to go back and get my master's degree with the idea that I would uh, go into teaching since there were no other uh, foreseeable careers coming my way. Um, and so I got my master's at, uh, Cal state Los Angeles. And, uh, while I was doing like within six months of me starting getting my master's degree, I accidentally started a sports writing career. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so uh, it ended up being a, a, a terrible decision to go to, uh, get my master's degree because I had put myself through my bachelor's. Like I had paid for myself to go to college, uh, to get my bachelor's and, then I ended up having to take out loans to get my master's and so now I'm in like a, a bunch of student loan debt as is most of the country. So a uh, really, really bad decision on my part. But, you know, um, you, we, none of us believe we're making bad decisions at the time we're making them. So.
0: Yeah, and also they try to convince you it's like the best decision you can be making, and it's an investment, and all this stuff. It's just like, hey, it's important for us to trap you into a predatory loan. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know how much I've ranted about this, but college didn't used to have what they call the course shopping uh, cart model, which was kind of like this capitalism-sized version of education. They, I mean, it's not like all bad, but generally, it's like, oh, if you wanted to do this, if you wanted this degree. Here's all the classes you need to take. And it was already scheduled. You know, it wasn't like, oh, there's these ones on Sundays and these ones on Tuesdays. You just had to go when they were there. And that allowed it to be like cheaper because it required the teachers to be there less time and stuff. And also, it just wasn't as broad. But as they converted it to the core shopping cart model, it's like, oh, no, you buy the classes. These are classes you're putting in the shopping cart, you know, and you can make your own schedule. And that just kind of turned turned it into like, let's just sell as many units as possible. And then that obviously fed into the, like the scholarship thing where the more scholarships they give, like the higher they can charge for admissions. It's this kind of knock on effect that drove costs up a lot and it just, it got really bad. But after a while, then the course shopping cart model made it so like uh, education isn't very, uh, what do you call it? like uh, standardized, you know, it's like this class isn't the same as this other class and you can take this class. And so it's like, you could get through a, a, some, like a whole, you know, degree without like taking the same stuff as other people. And so then the instruction kind of like waned because it had to be more modularized. It wasn't like, oh, this is part of this curriculum. It's just, here's this block that we're selling, you know, it's all a big mess. And then, you know, those, and then they got to sell
2: all these fucking. Also like my sister's like six years older than me. And like, I I watched things go from like, when my sister graduated, like it was, it was a push of like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to get a very good job. If you don't go to college, you're sort of going to be limited. Um, And then by the time I got my bachelor's degree, it was like, you have to go to college or you're not going to get a job. And now it's like even, even more that. And my, my biggest takeaway from uh, getting my master's is like, um, the difference between when I was in school, like it, it felt like the time between my bachelor's and master's, like, I mean, it didn't, it didn't just feel like that. Like you become, you become a human being between like, after you like are at the age of getting your bachelor's degree. And, uh, and it's just, it was just really funny to like, for me to be in my like mid to late thirties, uh, in, in school with all these, like, just out of high school people when i was like doing ta stuff and like and also like just you know like very early 20s people in in the master's program and like i'm like just talking to teachers and like answering questions and having conversations and dialogue with them and like everyone else is like just too afraid to like do anything in class so like it, it just seemed like i was cheating uh yeah because like it's like you get life experience but like most of the people I was in classes with like hadn't had jobs yet, you know? So it was like, I, I just like understood like what it meant to like live a life. And I I highly recommend, uh, uh, whatever country you have to live in to like be in a situation where like you can, uh, take, take schooling at your, at your convenience and your leisure, uh, and not, uh, going into school when you have to, because you're forced to.
0: Yeah. Like, I think to me, like part of my theory on adulthood is adulthood's when you realize you can wield adulthood, you know, like when you're a kid, you feel like the world's just happening to you. And then at some point you start like yelling at someone or you yell at a kid or you square up or something. And then it's like, oh, people can just do whatever. You know and then there's not real like societal consequences for most forms of assholery and like i think that's kind of unlocking like adulthood and from there it's like oh i can actually shape a lot more of what's happening around me and so yeah i think that would kind of uh, put you at advantage especially like in a school setting i went to you know a community college i got an aa not a real degree um but It was, you know, I had a counselor or a therapist or whatever the fuck. I don't know that that would say like the thing about community college is it's essentially just high school. You can smoke at like (laughs) no one is there. Like the very few people are there because they're like, you know, really have a strategy. A lot of people are there because they kind of feel that they should be there. They're not able or willing to take the plunge into like a real university. And so like the engagement and the investment is just way lower. And that was my experience. I took a biology class where, uh, a kid made a kid i will say yeah i don't know how old we were but i think he was older than me at the time but made fun of me for accurately being able to answer the question what is an invertebrate something that i easily knew in second grade (laughs) yeah (laughs) um (laughs) and um i took a philosophy class where the guy would talk but everyone would just talk to each other Louder than the guy was talking, and he wouldn't. He would occasionally say, like, hey, come on now, but like mostly he would just go on, and I'd be like, I literally cannot hear what you are saying, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and also I took like a, uh, I don't know, like an anatomy and sexuality class. This is the thing I took some throwaway classes where like all they did was like watch movies, and I would be like, what the fuck. I'm to, like I'm just leaving I'm not watching a movie like I pay for like this is not doing anything for me and like that that got me marked as like problematic that I don't want to just watch movies like in school I never really like movies I have ADD I like movies more now but like the idea of watching a movie not only was it like this isn't learning anything it's also just like this is not fun or interesting to me like it might be for other people and uh but yeah it fucking sucked um that's the only schooling I had what about you Kevin you do college or anything
1: I can't remember um I went to Community College for less than a year mm-hmm. um and decided that was not what I wanted to do kind of the same thing because I just felt like high school and I, my expectations were a lot higher mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I also kind of realized most of the way through that I was never going to use the degree I was getting so what wh- why you know yeah. Kevin
2: you, Kevin, you struck me as someone who was popular in high school
1: no no I I was the biggest dork you could possibly have imagined um
0: yeah Kevin looked exactly the same as he does now back then which you know when you're different people people really treat you treat you strangely and they're like wow this is like a 30 year old man or something you know and he's like carrying a (laughs) little briefcase around (laughs)
1: yeah full beard uh, I actually didn't just find my community college ID. So while you guys are talking, let me see if I can find it.
2: Hell yes, yes. <laughs> uh, funny story about my community college. Uh, so a guy that I, I was good friends with um, in in like uh, grade school and and high school, uh, his dad and his older brother uh, played on the same community college football team and uh they were like the first like father-son collegiate uh football duo ever and wow. uh uh it got them booked on the 700 club
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes sense I could, I could yeah. see there being interest in that it's definitely a, a feel-good story mm-hmm. I mean it's also a feel-bad story in a way you know <laughs> just about society but um but yeah <laughs> that's so crazy um where are you at Kevin you get it you find it not yet I'm still we'll looking. get there okay so so uh well, okay so you 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 have some movie credits and I remember I think it was maybe on uh what was it called uh what a time to be alive or something like where you talked about yeah. it a little bit
2: <laughs> yeah yes. yeah yeah
0: I like that podcast um but so like how did that how did you fall into that like what? how did that happen
2: uh, like I said, I, I, so I went to San Francisco state cause I wanted to do movies. So I, I had been writing, I've been writing as long as I can remember, like in, in grade school when they did like book fair books, like I, I did, like, you know, you do one a year. Um, I don't know if that was a thing where you guys did a thing like in grade school, we had like an annual thing where it's like, if kids want to write a book, they can write a book and then it'll be, be like shown at a local book fair or whatever um yeah so, i don't think we had anything quite like that yeah it's i mean when i say book it's like four pages and you like tie it together with ribbon you know um mm-hmm. but uh so i i wrote a couple of those like in in like early grade school and they were like really well received and then, like either third or fourth grade i wrote a uh i wrote a book and I, and i drew the illustrations for uh i wrote the book transformers the movie Two, uh and uh Every, every kid I knew who read it like went nuts for it. And they were like, this is, the, this is the best book. This is amazing. And then every year after that, they were like, you should do another one of those Transformers books. Uh, so that, that's, how, that's how long I've been writing. But I, I really started writing in high school. And then in community college, I took um, a bunch of creative writing classes. And I did you know all that stuff. And, and I, I wanted to start writing scripts. And then I wanted to get into the movies. And I wanted to because I was an actor like like I said I was like a, a you know an actor in drama school and in and, and drama class in high school so I I had always heard about how hard it was to be an actor so I was like oh I I don't want to you know I, I can't compete with anyone who's acting so I'll be a writer because that'll probably be easier uh, and yeah you know, that's you know, that, that's the joke uh, so I <laughs> I went to school to get into the movies and you uh, I sort of emphasized screenwriting, um, when I was taking my combo TV, movie, radio, um, bachelor's, uh, thing. And I went to, I was in that program with a bunch of really good friends who were also trying to break into Hollywood or, you know, whatever you want to call the entertainment industry. Um, and after we all graduated, um, actually a lot of them were a year younger than me, but like after they all graduated, they all, you know, they, they were spending their summers interning. So they would go, they would go to Cal State Monterey Bay, and then they would go to Los Angeles to intern for the summer and then come back and start like making connections there. And then after they graduated, they all went to Los Angeles. I couldn't afford to do free unpaid internships during the summer. Um, so I just spent my summers like writing scripts. And then um, after they all graduated, I chose to remain in Northern California and like help my dad out uh, and be close to my dad who needed a lot of assistance rather than move to LA um so I kept writing scripts uh, in that time and uh sort of I had one co-writer who I'm still co-writers with to this day um who was oh yes oh, oh my goodness
0: showing us show the Perfect. camera Kevin uh but Kevin's showing us his uh his thing man you're looking pretty good Kevin I, yeah. I think yeah. that's that's back in is, the day is that what you were I, expecting I mean <laughs> not quite but this this tracks i can definitely imagine you carrying a um what the fuck? you were a webmaster back then i was yes way back then yes i could just i I can definitely imagine the kid with a student id like carrying a trumpet case like i'm sure i saw someone that looked exactly like that in like my junior high school (laughs) or something you know so
2: you were Um, the webmaster for the official mortal kombat 4 website
1: yes i was Wow. And that was only because nobody else at Midway wanted to do it so i was the one who got <laughs> stuck doing that on
2: top of my regular job that's wow. really fantastic and what was a claim was, to fame
0: yeah so just just a, for the podcast kevin showed a screenshot of him being interviewed on some sort of tv station and uh, it had the title uh, webmaster www.mk4.com what what was that kevin what why were you being interviewed do
2: you remember um it was, it indicated were, it was a mortal Kombat television station <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was yeah, for the yeah. release of Mortal Kombat 4 when it came out. We did, you know, I worked at Midway during the release of that. And we did this big road tour, and I'm not really sure why, but, like, we, we got these, like, U-Haul trucks and painted the Mortal Kombat logo on the side of them and then drove arcade games around to arcades around the country to let people play it for, like, five minutes.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> so that was, you had a job in that picture then, huh?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I, I had the website that told you where to go to play the game
0: okay yeah yeah <laughs> that's so crazy just, but you work for midway at the time yes and what was your job at midway it was running it was just being a webmaster or
1: was it that was
0: a, one of your side duties
1: um that's side duty like at that point I was a game designer slash programmer um mm-hmm. but I was the only like internet guy at the time so they're like can you make the website and I said sure wow
0: insane uh you do you design any games Kevin
1: yeah, but nothing any good. Perfect. Um I did a lot of work so, you know, Midway's real known for like Pac-Man and Mortal Kombat and NBA Jam and all these things. I most of my time was spent on this like bar top touchscreen trivia game kind of thing, like I had trivia and cards and, you know, sure. that kind of thing. That that was what I worked on. I mean, that
0: time. gets a lot of play across the nation, you know. I, I do you think that stuff's still
1: in in kiosks and such? Yeah, I mean, they haven't been sold for 20 some years now, but I still see them occasionally, you know, like I'll I'll go to an old arcade or a bar that, you know, can't afford newer games and I'll still see them there.
0: Yeah, Bill, I don't know how much of a that happens fan you are, but some of this what we learn about Kevin is he's apparently the most interesting person in the world. (laughs) Um, yeah. which, which I think kind of feeds nicely into one of our recurring segments, which is what's Kevin's deal, where we ask the guest to try and formulate some sort of deal. That's Kevin's deal and ask him if that's his deal. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I have, I have definitely, I'm definitely familiar with what's Kevin's deal. Oh, okay. Um, good. Uh, so I, uh, I mean, part of that, that was, that was part of what I was asking when I was asking if he was popular in her. So just cause he's sort of like, uh you sort of look like everyone who was popular at high school when I went to high school, where where, okay. and when I went to high school, um, like you have that look about you, but, but the, the, the vibe, the deal I get is sort of like just generally a guy who's happy to be here. And, uh, sort of like you're, you're, you're at a good place. And so you like to, uh, lend your assistance to people and just try and be helpful um like you're just like a, a, a decent dude in general so you you just uh you just chip in where you can and you try to be a good friend of people
0: must be fucking nice i know right <laughs>
1: so, i mean i think answer. that's that's you know reasonably accurate yeah are you so in a good place you guys- Kevin? Mm-hmm.
2: say again are-, are you in a good place
1: i think so
0: I- i'd like to think so yeah kevin's in the good place <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my god i wish um, so, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept of spoon theory. It's about mental health. Um, it breaks, uh, your ability to achieve tasks and handle setbacks and adversity into units called spoons. So some days you have a lot of spoons, some days you don't have very many spoons and it takes spoons to say, call the DMV. It takes spoons to, uh, deal with a person, uh, personal friends, like issues. You guys familiar with this? So all of this to say a lot of people have spoons kevin has a whole fucking tupperware drawer (laughs) like he's fucking he can handle all of our shit and more is how it feels i don't know maybe maybe that's just the the vibe he gives off but he definitely you know he can handle a lot more than me i'll tell him i'll tell you that i wish kevin was was in charge and i was just you know (laughs) uh taking orders you know
1: The, the world's not ready for that
0: i think that is i think kevin kevin hides a lot of you know, I shouldn't be saying this on the show. Uh, it goes out publicly, but Kevin's in the Illuminati. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he does in fact control the world and pull the strings in a sort of shadow government um for us all. And uh let's just say you know, he's holding back a lot of bullshit that would otherwise be hitting the collective fans of our, you know, world, I think. Or, you know, solar system to be honest, you know. Mm. But
1: uh, okay. I'm not that time traveler that keeps going back trying to fix things, but somehow making things slightly worse. You know, like an like an Umbrella Academy. You guys watch Umbrella Academy on Netflix,
0: uh, created no. by Jared Way, Gerard Way, Jared Way. I,
2: I am I am very behind. Uh, I watched the first season and perhaps started the second season. That's it's on it's on my list of things that I need to get to. But I read the comics
0: nice they just came out with the new season season three i believe and i hated it um (laughs) i i did not like it everyone was acting very mean and being (laughs) being irrational it felt like um it felt like the characters were just acting like they were acting because that would create the conflict that the show was running on, you know, rather than it really making sense or following naturally from their character motivations or grief or trauma and stuff. And it was just like that the whole season and it's like, I mean it doesn't go well it's supposed to be kind of like an all is lost kind of moment sort of thing it's supposed to be like oh this is really bad and it's like yeah it is really bad and also you deserve this you guys suck like this should be happening to you you know It, it just yeah it really I don't know I really liked the first two seasons and the third season it had interesting stuff in it I just did not I was just like I was out because it's like you guys are pieces of shit. I hope you all die you know um but yeah that uh, don't don't you know not to get too spoilery or anything but yeah th- that was my general vibe and I talked to someone else who watched and that was kind of their their vibe too I mean you know there's stuff to like in it, and I'm glad I watched it I don't know you know the thing about I don't know here's the thing about me and maybe this makes me an idiot who should never make television but I just want television that's nice and everyone's having a good time and no one's yelling or getting mad you know like yeah that's i know why that conf-
2: i loved yeah. uh you know that's why i loved the good place so much like um just just a joyous television show it's great that's why i loved uh the netflix film rrr which is yeah uh sort of like if Zack snyder uh, had, was able to have the capacity for joy um <laughs> it's just just like the the piggyback fight scene is like one of the most wonderful things I've uh, seen in a long time. Uh, Just like, yeah, just joyousness. Like even like the, like the Ted dance and Mr. Mayor show, like, just like, I, I, I appreciate stuff like that, that where it's like, it's not, it's not necessarily punching up or punching down. And it's not necessarily like trying to do anything like revolutionary or anything like uber clever. It's just something that's like, where it's like people sort of like, trying their best and being like relatively decent to each other like at abbott elementary you know that's another one um Mm -hmm. that where it's like just people like that are like more or less enjoying each other and not being too shitty to each other and like just like making earnest attempts to like do okay like that that's that's the sort of stuff that that i that i enjoy
0: yeah like you know I like Breaking Bad and stuff but prestige television has really sold you on this like adrenaline junking like oh my God I shot my mom and now I got to kill the president (laughs) you know it's just like it's I'm on the edge of my seat you know Better Call Saul is is amazing because it has like the intensity of Breaking Bad with such lower stakes like I'm just as like white knuckling the whole way through that show but it's like all that matters is this like guy's gonna go to jail or he's not even (laughs) gonna be killed because like I've seen breaking bad, you know, but like, uh, it's just, it's
2: so tense
0: and it's like, I like that, but I can't, I just, I don't know. I I love,
2: I love that too. It just, yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta temper, you gotta temper stuff. It can't always be so like, even like, like peacemaker is like a lot of really grim shit, but it's like. I mean, a lot of it, you know, John Cena does some extremely heavy lifting in that show, but like a a lot of it is just like, you can, you can tell how much fun the people who are making it are having. And that goes a long way. Like there's some extremely funny shit in that show that makes me like really jazzed to watch it. Um, and, and it, and yeah, there's a lot of gore and stuff in it, but like, I mean, the boys is a lot like that too. The boys is, uh yet another example of like garth ennis like one of like the the shittiest like edge lord creators of anything like i like that people keep providing examples of like garth ennis can come up with an okay concept that if someone else adapts it it will be really good but uh if if it's just left up to to garth ennis it's going to be like 60 to a hundred comic book issues of like the worst edgelord shit that you've ever seen in your entire life. So like, I, I appreciate that the, the boys is able to take, you know, take a very edgy, extremely, like extremely gory, extremely edgy show, but still like have it be populated with people that you sort of give a shit about. And like also like pepper it with enough stuff where, you're sort of like the shock factor isn't like to repulse you so much as to like exhilarate you. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it incorrectly. Well- I don't know. I, I think that like, yeah. Uh, so to me,
0: the gore and stuff isn't like super off putting because it's so big peacemakers mm-hmm. the same way. It's also arch that I think that like, you kind of can remove yourself a little from it and peacemaker, a lot of like the white knuckling and stuff is more about his past and his trauma and his character stuff, you know, more yeah. than it is like, I, I don't know, like, I'm not super hung up on the fate of the world. Even when you see like right. all the aliens and stuff, it's like, I'm sure it's going to be fine but boys I think was grounded enough that I'm like he's gonna die he is going yeah. to die he's gonna die and like so I feel like I was pretty tense watching that but it is really good I think I think it's because of how grounded they managed to present this superhero world it's like it's why it's part of why it's so compelling it really feels real you almost yeah. don't even think like this is this is fantasy it's like no this is like the real world and and so yeah for me that's really tense you know I liked RR um I'll tell you this <laughs> i'm not i really liked rr you watch R, kevin no i haven't yet oh my god kevin fucking never watches the stuff that we're supposed to talk about on the show kevin's known for weeks that i have had you put scheduled and we're <laughs> going to do a big big rr discussion <laughs> no um but rr was really great but i'll tell you this i don't know this is this is more on me um because I, I you know you, you know the conventions of bollywood kind of like arch Bollywood action and stuff like literally like a guy will jump over a bridge and then he'll punch a semi truck and send it to the moon or something you know mm. I think RRR was like pretty grounded like i think the 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 opening sequence with the with the mob fight and then the tiger fight and then um i think the i even think when he released all the animals and stuff that felt pretty grounded it to me and then like uh the medicine stuff was obviously kind of ridiculous but at the same time it's like you buy it it's fine yeah. you know um but everything else I was like this is straight like you could release this movie somewhere else and it wouldn't get eye- eyebrows or anything and I was like I was kind of expecting it to be crazier or like you know but really intense and so in that sense that was a bit of a letdown to me but I was enjoying like I was having a blast the whole time through it was just like there was just something that was hard for me to put my finger on and I think that's what it was but
2: even there's, Saying that makes long, me th- sound negative. Long, yeah, there's long stretches of that movie where it's like nothing really like insane is happening. Um,
0: it's great though. It's I, all good stuff. Yeah,
2: I think that you're right that um, it's a little bit more to- toned down than you would generally expect from a Bollywood or Hollywood um, film of this of this nature. And but I think that it's possible that the reason why it's a little bit toned down is because the two main characters uh, in the in the movie are like real historical people oh yeah (laughs) yeah so it's uh like like these are like it's like the the two main characters are like were like real revolutionaries uh in the like uh uh 1900s to 1920s to 1940s um and i like the 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 writer director apparently like was looking at like the the lives of the two people and like how they overlapped and how they shared common goals and was like, what if there was a movie where these two like real historical figures who are heroes to like the Indian people, what if they had met and become good friends? Uh, which I I think is like a good like fanfic. Uh, but I think that, you know, it's like, it's possible that that's why it's a little bit more grounded. than Oh, it must be a hundred (laughs) percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, at the end, they do the dance number and they're like invoking like the historical figures and then you're seeing them on the background and stuff. And I'm like, oh, like... I wonder what history am I completely missing because it's obviously not nothing. But I just figured, you know, this was a real revolution or something, and then they like fi- like like fictionalized it. But yeah, I had no idea that they were real people. So yeah, of course they would want to at least, you know, you you can make an arch and make a guy fight a tiger and stuff, uh, or you know, out out strength the tiger. But it's it's a different matter to just be all like, and then he went to the moon and shot eye lasers or whatever. My, yeah,
2: my I think my favorite thing about foreign um action movies is how the white uh the white villains are always like just like so like just despicably vile and evil and like just so over the top just like the word like I think that you and I should both strive to be cast as a uh, white, white devils in a, a foreign action movie someday. Like I would, I would love that so much just to be able to like the Itman man series and like this, this movie, like just like the worst fucking people that you've ever imagined or like the, the Englishmen or the, uh, the, the colonizers that are which just there stealing children, shooting pregnant women and stuff. Yeah, I
0: mean they were bad, but I was, I was like, yeah, I'm sure like that to me felt the most grounded. Like, yeah, this I'm sure this no, stuff it's great. It's just it's day. just
2: you you never see that here. You mm-hmm. never see that here and and even when it's like even when it's a movie that's like made by like white Americans or like white like UK people where like uh, a a person of color or like a non-white entity is like the villain, they're never like the devil but like any time there's a white villain in a foreign action film they are like the like they're it's, like just straight up lucifer like just the worst like and, and and i just appreciate that like that you don't have to pull the punches because like there's no way to oppress white people so you could just go ahead and like really lean into like uh these people should all be dead <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you don't have to make it campy. You don't have to like put like an interesting angle where it's like, Mm -hmm. maybe he has a point like, you know, I don't know, Killmonger or something. It's not like, like a lot of villain villains in Marvel movies. They usually have, it's usually like a question of like motivations versus like methods where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, Zemo is he's right, but that doesn't justify what he's done or whatever, you know? And it's (laughs) like, it's, it's supposed to kind of, I don't know, you know, like, uh, this is a rant I've been on but you know i think a lot of western storytelling like monomist stuff is kind of an inherently fascist because it's about like uh us like you like doing good things outside of the law using extrajudicial force generally to kill people or or stop people um and it's good and usually whatever safeguards are in in, in intact or in place to you know prevent people from abusing their power are cast as the enemy it's like if only it weren't for these rules i wouldn't have to be such a loose cannon cop or whatever. So superhero stories often break down to like the superhero is good because he follows the letter of the law and thus he earns his superpower that he gets to cast judgment on people. Whereas the villain, they might have a good point and, and come from a more morally Um, recognizable and more morally right standpoint, but because they engage in this outside of the law sort of justice that they don't have the right to use to enact their, you know, greater ethical agenda in their mind, you know, that's what gives them the death sentence to be handed down by the, uh, you know, the hero who generally is unwilling to kill the person but ends up killing them anyway, and it's fine, you know, and so, you know, that's just like a cop who, for instance, shoots an innocent person, you know, because Because the system doesn't let you do it because you need a warrant or whatever. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's not like, it's not like insidious. I think it's just the messaging overlaps and overlaps and loses its meaning. And it just becomes tropes and people just internalize the tropes. And the end result is like, yeah, yeah, I could go out and become Kyle Rittenhouse or something, you know.
2: (laughs) Anyone can.
0: Yeah. That's that's why
2: he's, that's why he's a hero to the right is because it's so attainable
0: yeah but it's also yeah it's like that's what they want you know they want to have that uh ability I think you know it's not even just that they want all of us dead it's more that they want us to be available as punching bags and targets whenever they get pissed you know Yeah, yeah and if we were just all extinct then what? they would kill their parents or whatever you know it's like it doesn't it's not as good um unless it's it's the demonized other um to kick around but boy boy man you know I don't know when this is going to come out but we are we're just we're so fucked, you guys you, you I mean I I'm not going to say you guys have no idea but I don't know it's just is I don't know on some level I knew it was going to be too late when Trump won I was like no matter what happens yeah. it's still done we're still done it's just all the pieces haven't fallen yet <laughs> you know and it, it seems like it's being more true every day but hey good news in maryland they lifted the assault rifle ban so if you're you know living in maryland you know outside of washington dc you know you can get legal access to an assault rifle and who knows what you could do with one of those you know? uh kevin cut that from the pocket i don't want to get arrested um but you know uh it's just it's it's not good jesus christ um so you, you but how did you Okay, so you, we talked about movie college but how did that how did that translate into the actual projects was it connections you made oh, yeah. in college or like what yeah how did, yeah.
2: yeah so I, I I never like like I said I never stopped writing scripts um and you know by writing partners and and whatever little you know whatever few connections I made you know I, I would continue to try and push for that because like no matter what I'm doing or or no matter what I have done I've always had the ability to like, continue to write. And I still have, you know, know, dozens of projects that I can still write someday. Um, but you know, I've I've never managed to get an agent, but, um, I, uh, I had a a co-writer who was getting like some stuff and knew some people and had some representation. So, um, I've always co-written with him. Um, and, and it just so happened that, uh, a handful of years ago, um, the one, the one thing that I was always known for, like from college on is that I could write really fast. And like, I actually ended up writing like 80% of, um, the scripts for the script writing class at my college. Um, because other people were just like unable to to do it. So I would just like knock out scripts. And then I was, I was able to write like f- a feature script in a couple days back then. That's awesome. Um, not, not so much now, <laughs> but, um, I was known for being able to work fast. So, um, my friend had done a movie for asylum before, um, silent, the mockbuster, uh, company, the company that makes, uh, shark and, uh, you know, trans And, you know, the, 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 pre- the previous model was like trying to fool people who are renting stuff at Redbox. Um, and that model is, <laughs> is a little bit different now, but people know who asylum is. So he had worked for asylum before, um, and he was, he was doing a thing. I was actually in, in vacation. Uh, I was actually on vacation in uh, Hawaii and he either texted me or emailed me and he was like, Hey, um, asylum needs a movie w- wants to do a movie. Um, and I can help you with the treatment, but I'm going to be tied up on something. Uh, but they need the, they need the script in two weeks. Um, wow. He's like, do you want to help me with this? And I was like, yeah, of course I would love to do uh, an asylum movie. And, um, it was about it was about a, a volcano. Uh, it was about it was about uh, Vesuvius erupting again, uh, and uh, it was you know very coincidental coincidentally coming out at the same time that the Pompeii movie was coming out. So, um, I I was like, yeah, of course I'll do that. So we did the we did the the treatment thing, and that got approved by um, by Asylum, and then I very stupidly did what I thought I was supposed to do. And I wrote an asylum movie, um, that was full of jokes and just like crazy deaths and just like goofy shit. Um, and asylum, uh, looked at it and they were like, we, this is not, this is not how we operate. This is not how we do things. Um, and that, that was the movie where I learned that, um, how asylum movies work is, uh, they need to have like the most serious straight script that you can possibly get because they're trying to cast actual actors in these movies. Um, So they need to send these scripts to like, you know, Christopher Lampere's agent or, you know, whoever like legitimate people who like work as actors or have worked as actors for decades. Um, Like uh, that, that movie has Gimli in it. Um, And I'm sure that he, you know, his agent wanted to look at a very serious script. So the way that silent movies work is they get a, a completely on the level script, uh, to cast people and then once the movie's in production that's when the asylum of it all happens because they will fuck everything up or like through sheer ineptitude or on purpose or they'll just let uh they'll just let a an actor just do whatever the fuck he wants on set um after they've cast him which is what happened in the case of of, of gimley uh right. who who was just like chewing every available inch of scenery when I finally saw the movie and I was like, I didn't, I didn't write a word of this. He's just uh, having the time of his life out there. Uh, but so that, that, that movie was funny cause they went to, uh, I believe, uh, Budapest or Bulgaria to, I think they went to Bulgaria to film the, the movie and, and it was a two week shoot and they got to, they got to the end of uh, week one and they sent us a frantic message cause they were off for the weekend. They sent us frantic frantic messages we need you guys to rewrite this entire script to write this one character to be as as minimal as possible because uh the guy that they cast they absolutely hate his guts and (laughs) they don't want to work with him anymore um and i was like well can i just kill him in an early scene they're like we already shot the ending no you just he's gonna be there just have him not doing anything or saying anything so we, we had to rewrite the the script uh in a day and send it back to them and uh and and i found out afterwards when i when i finally saw the finished product um that like one of the actors like that was like p- playing a very minimal role was like also the line producer and so like he wow. was like tossing in his own like uh like he like gave himself a runner uh in the script and like like it it was just it's just so hilarious it was it was a really it was a really uh interesting experience to me where i was like Uh, yeah, I really want to write an asylum movie. I'm going to write an asylum movie. And I wrote an asylum movie and they didn't want that at all. And then, no, we want to ruin it ourselves. Yeah. So then when I saw like the finished product, I was like, man, I, I can only imagine like how much had to have gone wrong there. Um, so at this point I've written six or six or seven, five, five or six or seven, uh, movies for asylum. Uh, and sadly they're not a WGA, uh, job. So, um, Pay, the pay is the pay is uh, worth it the first couple times but then you know d- d- diminishing returns uh, i guess but uh it, it it's it's fun it's a fun experience um at this point I, I would be more interested in like uh helping helping shepherd other people towards uh, asylum as i was shepherded towards them um i don't even know if they're really doing a bunch these days but um right. yeah no it was, just, it was just an interesting experience and then like uh from from there like my co-writer and i kept kept writing stuff and he did a I, I co-wrote a movie for him um that uh had uh tom sizemore in um that came out a couple years ago uh, i think you can find it on some streaming services uh i don't remember what it i don't I honestly don't remember what it's called now it was called blue line the whole time we were writing it and, and uh put it out but it's on my IMDb you can find out what, it, what what it's called now but uh there's like stuff you can find on streaming services like you can find that first movie I wrote or uh there's 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 a few of the silent movies that I've written that I've never actually seen so um, uh <laughs> that, but but, once but, you f- yeah, once yeah. you
0: see it the first time I'm sure it's like yeah I mean I'm sure something's gonna happen and I, I
2: have no relation to it anymore I I've heard but. really bad things about one of the movies I wrote for them called alien predator right um which came out when the predator came out the the I, I can't remember anyone's name right now uh tim black what's the guy's name the, right, right, the director right. of the last one the guy who wrote uh, iron man three and the lethal weapon movies um mm-hmm. shane black shane black, is his shane black. Okay. um he the the last predator movie that he directed that was that that was alien predator was designed to come out at the same time as that one so that's, that's, that's like
0: that. i used to work at borders and there was movies on the shelf that were clearly supposed to trick like old people <laughs> yes. or whatever and so yes. like we had ratatouille which is <laughs> yes. like yes <laughs> like this yeah. really cheesy poorly done 3d movie and um i don't know you know there's some people with good sense of humor so we would like get all those movies and put them on like staff picks and stuff just because it was like people need to see this you know um did
2: I, you ever I see wish the I... red letter media where they forced pat Oswald to watch ratatouille no no i i oh, have never good. even heard of that that's <laughs> uh awesome. red letter media the guys who do like uh best of the worst and uh they did a they did a one where, where Patton Oswalt was guesting on. They're doing like Plinko with bad movies or spin the wheel with bad movies or whatever. And then they, they rigged it so that Ratatouille would come up while he was there.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I want to, try and write i i have tried to write and i can't screenplays are just so specifically like not my wheelhouse it, and i don't really have a good foundation i've read books and stuff but i don't know maybe if i went to school or something i'd have more of a baseline to go off of but i just feel so hopeless like i'll, I'll try to do something and then it just will be like uh, just like i'll try to shit it out and then i'll look at it and it's like i can't use any of this i have to start completely f- from Swear One, I get really self-defeating and stuff is, it's really, it's really hard. And I don't know just like I hate conflict I've spent a lot of my young life trying to think of ways just using like just idling my brain just being like oh if this situation comes up maybe I'll handle it like this like just like I hate conflict I'm always trying to get out of conflict it makes me uncomfortable to like imagine conflict which is a lot of what like you know trying to come up with uh, trying to break a story is and it just it just sucks like I I still kind of on, on some level maybe entertain the idea of trying to like push harder in that direction but I like I don't even have like, like even like a first draft, like TV show pilot or something that I could show anyone. It's, it's a real shame. I, I mean, the, well, the, your ability to write fast sounds like a really true gift.
2: I mean, it, it, like I got a toddler now, so it's not as fast as it, it was, sure. but I, in a pinch, I can do it. Well, you know, what, I, uh, what I will say is that I've, I've worked with a lot of co-writers in the past where the co-writer has like come up with the idea and I've written the script So that's
0: what I need, man. I need another person I can work with like that can actually like I have a lot of good ideas, you know, I I, I'm good at I'm good at feedback and stuff. I'm 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 developing a thing where, or, or, you know, maybe we'll be developing sounds like it's a more sure thing than it is. It's basically like Mm -hmm. a glorified pilot writing session, essentially, but, you know, I think everybody that I'm working with generally likes my feedback and my opinions and stuff. And often, you Mm -hmm. know, when we get feedback from the network and stuff, it's like, shit, I was saying. (laughs) you know um so that makes me feel pretty good or bad depending on you know how smart the network is but uh you know i don't know i I feel like i have good ideas and then i can i can come up with i just like actually getting it into a passable form i don't know it just escapes me i'm really bad at that but you know what i'm good at bill is talking about soda (laughs) (laughs) um and boy howdy it is a baja summer the second baja summer uh last year was a baja summer they they debuted two new flavors and this this year they've done the same although we've heard uh, Bill bill's showing it off um showing off the goods baby <laughs> <laughs> i we've heard tell that there's actually a secret flavor a secret baja flavor that you can mm. only get through if you win a contest uh, and you enter the contest through um entering the bottle cap codes that are on the underside of the bottle cap so if you aren't going to enter the contest bill I will ask that you send me <laughs> pictures of the bottle cap yeah, no, I'll, I'll send them to you for sure because I really do want to win this contest I really want to taste this flavor of Baja I think Kevin might be trying to avail himself of back channels to kind of I, get us some some soda
2: I, I'm offended on your behalf that um, you are not a Mountain Dew ambassador as Dan was once a kettle one ambassador uh, I'm, I'm offended for you yeah, I know that every
0: two bit podcaster like says, oh, we mentioned Dyson vacuum cleaners, So why don't they give us a free advertising contract or something, you know, and they get really too big for their britches. But I swear to God, I have moved units of Mountain Dew <laughs> through this podcast. Like I really have. I, I think at the very least, and you know, when I was on Harmon they sent me, um, some, some Mountain Dew reserve, like black label, I think they called it, it was like a special kind of like a, a high end kind of Mountain Dew, but the package they sent me a nice bottle or a nice nice bottles or cans maybe and then these nice shot glass or drinking glasses and then these nice frozen not frozen ice metal ice cubes that you know that you don't they're reusable ice cubes Mm -hmm. but they were packaged in a bad way so that the rocks the the ice ice cubes were inside the glasses loose And oh, so in transit they shattered the glasses and then the glass shards punctured the bottle or cans. And so it was just this sticky rotting kind of smelling sour mess by the time it got to me and I think I might have like tweeted about it like haha this is so funny or or I didn't because I was ashamed, or maybe I did like an Instagram story or something. I don't know. But like I didn't like post about it like an influencer would. And so I I I don't know if they like just like or if I did, it was like, isn't this silly? And I wasn't like this sucks. I I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I really appreciate the gesture if I did, you know, because I knew that it was a very kind thing that they were doing. But since then I don't think they've really sent me anything. And I, I feel bad about it. I don't think it was my fault at all. I still feel bad about it though. Um, but it's, it's a shame. I, I, I really, they really ought to be sending me this stuff. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin, Kevin's been picking up the slack by, I don't even you know, Kevin's the king of the internet and, um, you know, he's been using his
1: powers of evil.
0: Yeah. Kevin's, uh, showing, uh, typhoon, preview right? we're not gonna do
1: this tonight. I don't think, but we've got the unreleased Mountain Dew typhoon here. Yeah, well, it's it was released in 2010, part of the Democracy Two.
0: I did some research, um but yeah, we're not going to be trying that. But we are going to be trying the Baja. Do you have a preference, Bill? Is there one that you want to try first? And keep in mind, oh. it is 9:20. You probably don't want to drink too much of this stuff.
2: Uh, no, I you just you know whatever. I, I defer to the master on this one.
0: All right, well, let's go with the uh, mango, mango jam. You guys got your mango jam. Who wants to 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 mango, smell mango first? Jam kevin's got it you want to do the smell test kevin sure okay cracking it open now
1: oh it's it's strongly mango like i would have mm. instantly guessed this is mango almost like a yeah. mango creamsicle a little bit smell to it
0: though it's de- it's de- bit de- sharp, sour yeah. you know like mango i don't think of as super tart but uh it is tart it has tartness i would say
1: yeah it's it, it definitely smells like a mango drink i don't know if I, i'm sensing any mountain Dew. Mm. Notes yet, but it, it smells mango. What about
2: you, Bill? That's, you get anything? That's, yeah, that's a that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of fruit smell. Yeah, it's very it, it, it's very evocative of fruit in a way that many fruit uh, flavored like a Fanta doesn't smell like this. Like you can sort of like when you smell it, you can sort of taste the 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 back of the throat uh, uh, mango or or you know uh, the aromatics. The, the fruit in your mouth i also like this guy um this little like uh octopus
0: octopus man pirate octopus he's like a pirate yeah he looks like he's probably a friend of the
2: major melon um, the other bottle's got like a uh pineapple uh deep sea diver um oh that guy kicks ass holy yeah. shit i like yeah. that guy better for sure yeah, like but are great yeah. <laughs> yeah i want i want i want some lore like the uh the the soggies from cap and crunch you know
0: yeah what's this is this guy's story yeah exactly nerds the candy uh released d d modules like adventure oh. modules for one-on-one oh, d d campaigns very strange and interesting very cool Amazing. I sign off on them we played one a little bit uh one time with my friend abby and I would definitely be down to write some <laughs> d d mount do lore with these characters does the
2: uh is the d d adventure different depending on which side you look at the book
0: <laughs> um I think well how it works is there's seven different ones that you unlock in order and then if you get all seven then they give you a, a mega one and they're all like the colors of the rainbow I think or the colors of the different nerds or something it's awesome. I don't know I like that. it was pretty crazy it's it's very very silly but you know I don't know it's it's crazy uh who wants to go first bill you go first I'll do the do do that do you do
2: that's nice I like it that's um it it doesn't taste as strong as it smells i would say um but it also might be because um this is this has warmed to a a bit cooler than room temperature while we've been podcasting but yeah um, i noticed that i was surprised actually i feel like a
0: lot of times it'll stay cooler than it did well it's been very hot (laughs)
2: it's
0: been very yeah that's that's true yeah um you want to go kevin yeah sure let me get this try kevin's giving it a try I actually i honestly like that a lot though
1: yeah, it's it's really mangoy, very fresh, very. It doesn't taste as artificially as I thought it was going to. Yeah, Spencer's so trying it, it smell.
2: Yeah, based on how it smelled, I would have expected it to be much sugary, like much more flavorful. But I like that it isn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, ma- yeah. it maintains a lot of tartness, just kind of like the smell. It has some syrupiness. Um, it's 280 calories, which is I think a bit on the higher end of Mountain Dew um but yeah it's not over you know mango this mango flavor at least is pretty authentic you know like strawberry flavor doesn't taste like Mm -hmm. real strawberries banana etc even watermelon doesn't taste like real watermelon but this does taste like a real pure kind of classic mango flavor um which is which is great it's kind of low-key it's like a i think it's like a a, it's like you know it's it's nice for a tropical drink it's like it's kind of sip sip worthy you know like you can you can nurse it for a while
2: uh, yeah it's it's honestly like um it's more towards the orange soda end of the spectrum um not just mm-hmm. just because of the color of orange soda but it like it it, it it evokes that more closely than it evokes something that's like truly tropical to me
0: yeah I think Mountain Dew does have some kind of orange juice generally in the base recipe but you generally think of it more as like a lemon lime but yeah this to me also maybe has some kind of tangerine I would say this kind of mild sweeter citrus
2: yeah I am getting a little bit of the like classic Mountain Dew at the very back end of it
0: yeah uh, in these newer flavors they seem to have less of the dew like that's always been the thing like code red is like oh Mm -hmm. it's a shot of red with that Mountain Dew blast and a lot of the (laughs) stuff is like that you know um but but yeah these these this one is for sure it's less on the dew spectrum more on just the fruit spectrum but now we want to try this uh this Baja gold we are running out of time, but I think Kevin's okay, hopefully. Okay. So
1: I'm sniffing it here. Yeah, this is very pineapple. I mean, it's very similar to when we just, you know, replaced mango with pineapple and it's it's very similar. Yeah. Um maybe yeah, a little I bit think- of other citrus in there too, like a little bit of lemon or I don't know. What what you, Oh, Spencer's trying the the real trying to snort it. it. Yeah, Spencer's trying to snort it.
2: I what, feel what like do you this, get this is answer? a much more I feel like this is a much more sedate smell than the last one and I don't again I don't know how much that owes to the temperature of it but I also like pineapple isn't as strong a smell as mango in general I think
0: yeah for sure it's a lot less kind of um sticks in the air I would say the warmer it gets the more you would expect to smell it um mm-hmm. I think so it's that's interesting but yeah it's a lot more muted in the sm- smell uh, let's let Kevin go first. You want to go first, Kevin? Sure. Uh, take take a a draft.
1: A draft. I don't know how you. How you anyway, okay. It, thinking. I, I like this one a lot less than the other one because it it mm-hmm. kind of has like a f- cleaner, like a floor cleaner feel to it, like a it's, lysol kind of lemon. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's not so much that it's unpleasant, but it's just not. What I associate with a drink, like it needs something else to it. Yeah, by itself, like it's, it's not down. enough of a flavor. I don't think. Yeah,
2: what do, think, what do you think, Bill? What do you think? Yeah, um, I, you know, this, the other one tasted closer to how a mango actually tastes, and this tastes a lot closer to how artificial pineapple tastes taste. Yeah,
0: um, what I will say is that I've had these before which is something I don't always, you know, usually it's my first time with the soda. It kind of changes the way I review it, but I will say that it tastes different now. And I do believe that's because we did the mango earlier. Mm. I think like the overwhelming sweetness or, you know, I think the strong flavor of the mango is kind of like occupying the taste buds in a way that starts to mute the pineapple a little bit, but Mm. I do think your, your reviews are on straight anyway. Um, I think that, you know, the pineapple is still... Uh, it's still more muted it's lower in the mix so to speak um so yeah and then i will also say that like i said i tried it and then i wanted to do a side-by-side with pineapple fanta And when I had this, I was like, this is really good. This is like a solid pineapple soda. And then when I had the Fanta, I was like, oh no, like this is a pineapple soda. It's like, this is kind of just like a tear down, like a couple tiers tears down from what you'd expect from a pineapple soda. It has a bit more of the dew citrus in it, um, which again, it continues to mute the kind of pineapple a little bit. Whereas like, and since it's so pineapple, it's like, yeah, you might as well just go for the genuine article with like a Fanta, pineapple Fanta or something. I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, yeah I I, I, that's all right on. Yeah, I, I like the Fanta much better than this. Like, I don't I don't think I would ever get the Mountain Dew gold again, but the mango for sure.
2: I'm not yeah, a big yep. fan of artificial pineapple in general, um, but like this, I do like that this is not, I do like that the, the Baja gold is not like, it's it's very mild, like all things considered. Like, it's not lingering like the, it's not lingering like the uh, mango gym lingered, but I like the way the mango gym tasted a, a, a bunch more, so.
0: Yeah, I I definitely like like it a lot. I, it sounds like I like it the most out of everybody. I also like the mango jam less. I don't know why. Um, it certainly is a competent and 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 good execution of mango, but for whatever, maybe I just don't like mango as much. I don't know. <laughs> but so like I I would like this a lot in a vacuum. But then after having the pineapple Fanta, it's like no holy like this is how you do it you know so in that kind of environment i think it's kind of a bummer that it, it doesn't stand on
2: its own so much
0: uh, oh my god bill you play uh, you play sonic
2: you ever play sonic? Uh, yeah no i've played sonic a lot i don't live sonic as you're as ryan ridley said but i <laughs> i do i do <laughs> i do understand what it's like to run out of air while you're underwater in the aquatic zone
0: you know, fun fact, yeah, Aquatic Zone is a great level. Fun fact, the original music is from Marble Zone, which does not have, and we're out of time, folks. Uh. No, it doesn't have a water area, but I just, in like, when I got the idea in my head, it just sounded so much better with the Marble Hill
2: Zone no, it into all, the yeah, kind That of, all sounds perfect.
0: Yeah, it like sounds so better. evocative right i tried it the other i tried it other ways and it just it didn't hit my ear the same way and so yeah i I really like the kind of the kind of uh, assembly i did but yeah we are out of time uh thanks so much bill you got anything going on anything to talk about uh you know plug it's oh shit i wanted to there was a huge thing i wanted to talk about was wrestling in your fucking book i'm so sorry that's i mean i had a
2: great talk but yeah yeah i'll happily come back um if you if you would like to talk to me again but yes i wrote a uh I wrote a history and unauthorized history of WWE which is which was uh, very up to date uh up until the latest uh, Vince McMahon stuff but um uh yeah it's called We Promised You a Great Main Event you can find it everywhere um it's pretty cheap uh, in hardcover on Amazon right now um and you can get it on uh, audiobook and uh Kindle and and all all the uh, all the options uh that's out on uh, Harper Collins with amazing artwork uh in it by lauren moran who is well known within the uh pro wrestling community as her fantastic illustrator but yeah uh wrote a book about pro wrestling and uh uh i'm happy i'm very proud of it and uh i, I hope more people will, will want to read it so yeah go awesome check that out. yeah check and then that i'm out. on all social at sundown motel
0: sundown motel on all the things but yeah uh yeah i, I do want to actually talk that book i i do not like wrestling um at all I've, I've i understand the appeal in the sense that like i i get why people like it i'm not like you know it's fake right but i still like it's just not my back whatever but i am very interested in in talking about that uh, it is interesting to me you know it's just
2: not it's not good uh i, I don't like yeah. it i wish it would yeah, go yeah, away yeah. and and yeah, yeah no i would love to i plan. would absolutely love to have a conversation about it with you sometime. especially <laughs> given given how you feel about it i i think that we could have a really good conversation about that
0: awesome um what about you kevin what's what's coming up next on travel
1: <laughs> um so probably what's coming up next if we're going to insert this into an episode later is going to be the best channel 101 followed by real life sci-fi with what's i'm sure going to be an amazing guest and then maybe another found crap or i don't know there's gonna be another found crap come on we'll
0: see we'll see cyberpunk megazone maybe but um, we had a found crap last week yeah that's why there's not gonna be another one anytime soon are you kidding me anyway (laughs) um what about me what about me kevin we gotta monetize the podcast kevin i need more money i was telling kevin i need more money uh it's not your guys's fault if you're listening to it it's not your fault I don't it know.
1: Is. It is. Give some money everybody. Sign up for there's any artists
0: out. who want to uh like I don't know, make merch for me. I'm sure we could work something out. Uh because we got we got to get on that merch train baby, you know. Spencer waifu pillows, uh that happens <laughs> t-shirts, etc. We could we could go crazy, I think. Who knows? Uh but yeah, yeah, give me money. Um uh, yeah not going to go into specifics on this episode uh, other than fra- twitch.tv frank Cowley, someone else's twitch screen stream, sh- stream check that out we play dnd on tuesdays sometimes um but yeah uh we like to end the episode the same way every time so as always i will close with our you know weekly bible reading jesus wept